Hello, everybody. This is Michael Clark with Culture Shock Investments. This is Derek Howell with Humble Monarch. And you are locked into Mindful Mondays. Let's go. Derek, go ahead and say hi to the people. What's going on, good people? Yes, sir. And um, we are going to dive into this this phrase or this catchphrase that people like to use, crabs in the barrel, which they use usually in reference to um, the Black community and how we behave amongst each other. So um, let's get started, man. I'm going to go ahead and see, do you have anywhere you want to start? Because I know I want to start in a specific spot, like way back, starting kind of where the, the phrase, I believe the phrase originated from. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Let's let's go to it. All right. So, crabs in the barrel. Um, a lot of people believe that that phrase. I just want to knock this out before we really get too deep into it. That that phrase is something that could be applied to the Africans that were selling uh, other Africans into slavery, into European slavery, or to the Portuguese during um, the early slave trade times. But that concept actually does not apply for those slave traders to me because they were actually participating in a practice in which they heavily participated in across the continent of Africa already. Whenever there was war between rivaling tribes or countries, whenever the victor would capture the soldiers of the uh, other army, they will sell them off into slavery to other countries in exchange for goods and materials that they needed for their villages. Now, the type of slavery they were being sold off into, it's also important to note that it was nothing like the slavery that was being practiced here in America. So the slavery that was practiced here in America was a much more brutal slavery that, you know, stripped you of all your culture, religious beliefs, um, knowledge of self, changed your name. The, the, um, the slavery that existed in Africa before that time was not like that. They did not strip you of all your humanity and um, cultural identity so i just wanted to point that out before i jump into where the um, term crabs in a barrel pretty much uh, originated from and the term crabs in the barrel originated from the times like i said of the beginning of slavery when it became um, rewarded uh, when a slave was rewarded for either reporting back to the master anything that was going on amongst the slaves, whether it be any kind of um, revolt that they were planning or any kind of, maybe they were trying to have a secret wedding, anything like that, the slave master will reward the slave that came and informed him of any of these activities going on. And essentially what that created was someone of the same descent or race pulling another person back down or not allowing them to um, either achieve freedom or achieve whether it was marriage, whatever they were trying to achieve, it was about pulling them down, not allowing them to do that in exchange for a reward from the, um, from the master. So I'm going to stop right there. They're going to let you chime in on that piece right there. Well, I think something that comes to mind is, you know, when we think about, individuals who were enslaved, right, and having to navigate what this new life, new world, new reality is <clears throat> going to manifest into, uh, it's important to also classify what was there prior to, right? So like you said, you know, being stripped of culture and practices that were currently uh, a way of life, right, for generations and to have to assimilate into now this this new way of life. It, like any anyone knows, you know, if you travel and you go to a, a new place, right, there's there's different culture, there's different language that you have to adjust to. And if you do not know that, that native way of life, then you will be, you know, ostracized for for doing it even when it is your best effort. So I think that's just a, a point to, to really like mm -hmm. lay down before we even really get too far into this, right? Like, so even if you're doing it, it's 
still going to be under a uh, a magnifying glass and also just the lens of, you know, never really meeting the mark because you are uh, still not someone who is uh, born into this. All right. So now I want to keep going with where I was going down that timeline of the crabs in the barrel mindset. Now we talk about mindsets every Monday and this mindset is something that has trickled down and still affects us today, which is why it's important to go back to the core of where it all came from. And with the um, characters in uncle Tom's cabin, which was a famous, which was a famous story or a famous book. And it has some characters in it. And most people usually understand and refer to the uncle Tom name and reference as being the person who is, subservient to the master or the one that is being you know the one that's going back and telling what the uh other other blacks are doing to try to elevate themselves in order to uh, pull them back down that was usually called the uncle tom of the group but in reality in that story uncle tom's cabin that person's name was sambo sambo was the person that actually was subservient to the master and going back and telling him what the other slaves are trying to do in order to free themselves. So Sambo was the real sellout and Uncle Tom was actually a black man that was born into slavery who um, actually sacrificed his own life to save the lives of other slaves. So it has actually been completely a reverse. Actually, I don't even know if Sambo is even a term that most people are really familiar with. I just believe they just highlighted Uncle Tom and made that the term that we became familiar with as the sellout when really that was the savior. I just find it interesting how through a lot of context and historical context that seems to to seems to be the case to cause some kind of um I don't know, it's like a mental mental game in a sense, you know. You know what's funny though is because even when you bring up the the term sample, right? Like so one of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. And that, that term is used. And you, we know that Remember the Titans is set in uh, a different time frame, right, where it was, like, just on the, the brink of integration mm-hmm. of schools and everything. And we were t- talking about uh, Alexandria, Virginia, so just, like, the climate of that area at that time. Uh, and that, that term, that reference was used by one of the white players, uh, so yeah, it it's not commonly used term, but you know I I do remember it's like some of the references, but yeah, Uncle Tom, whose name is Josiah Henson, you know that was mm. also referenced on an episode of the Jefferson Show if you remember, mm. where you know he the the gentleman was was talking to George and you know he said I would never call you that because the because Josiah Henson, like, and what he stood for is completely different than, you know, what you're showing right now. So, like, like you said, just that mm. sort of bait and switch of, like, what the word and the term actually means and who that individual was is uh, two separate things. Very, right. very, very different things. Now, what is what do you think, like, of having a long-term effect of doing uh, of something like this is or this kind of not just the mindset. Let's first talk about the switch. Like, what kind of impact does not knowing the true term or true meaning of something? What do you feel like that could have, and what that could do to us, like psychologically as a people, over time if we keep, you know, referring to something incorrectly, like incorrect reference? Yeah. So, uh, definitely talk about imposter syndrome uh, comes to mind and having a sense of being inferior. And I, I think we, even when it comes down to names, right. And our, and our names, right. Uh, I've always looked up what the, the meaning of, of names are and like, what, why were the reasons why we have the names we have, right? First, last names, all of that. And I think those are all important things, right? Because when you know and can identify like the strengths that come from words, you're able to embody them. And if you can hear something or somebody calls you something, 
even if you don't know what the word means and you know that they're making fun of you, right? Like instantly you're going to feel bad. Right. right. Like as kids, if we're getting teased or somebody's like joking on somebody and they say and call them something and neither kid has an idea of what the word means. But if they're laughing at them, right, if everybody starts mm-hmm. laughing, it sounds funny. It's like, OK, we're going to run with that. Like now this is an insult. Right. And now I'm going to like feel inferior right. uh, regardless of what that word is. Mm-hmm. Right. OK. I like that explanation right there. Now, when I think about it, I think about like the wordplay of it and how they'll switch around um, the meaning of certain terms or words to cause a certain level of confusion. And in doing so, at the same time, you're excluding a certain important truth from the story, such as Uncle Tom was a black man born in slavery who really was sacrificing his own life to save slaves. Now, when you hear uncle tom as a phrase or saying is there a complete opposite name that we know that we speak of usually that will counter that like oh i'm not an uncle tom you know i'm more like you know usually you have to come into reference maybe into some more recent or maybe some historical civil civil rights leaders or something like that you would could use as a reference term but as a saying like how yeah. people have the saying like uncle tom is a saying yes. you don't have any saying that really like counters that to, mm-hmm. to describe our characteristics, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the Sambo story, like the uncle, true Uncle Tom story was never so, and then Sambo, the name Sambo was almost kind of like, in a sense, for me at least, I, my knowledge of it, I had almost like little to no knowledge of who Sambo would have been, you know? As far as his importance in the, um, in the, in the relevance of the saying Uncle Tom until I did my research and learned that Sambo was the main character in the book who was actually the, the perpetrator, the sellout. Yeah. Yep. But I found that interesting. Uh, let's go on to what behaviors are exuded by people who are exuding a crab in, in the barrel syndrome. You know, what, what kind of behaviors they show. So I pulled up a list of some behaviors, and of course we know some off the top of the head. Okay. But uh, I'm going to go off the little list any you can add and I'm going to add some I can think of off the top of the head. So selectively avoiding mentoring and guiding new hires of color. So that would be like avoiding if you're in a position of power or if you're already hired at a company when you see new hirees come on that are of color or black that you, you know, you're not really trying to guide them or give them any support and guidance. You kind of just avoid helping them in any kind of way. Meanwhile, your normal behavior would probably be to help new hirees, but in this case, you decide not to. Uh, aligning with problematic white co-workers and putting up barriers for other Black people to join the company um, or industry that you're in. Undermining other Black co-workers through gaslighting, playing politics, and other forms of sabotage. Refusing to support or stand up for marginalized Black co-workers out of fear of compromising your own status at work. And um, refusing to provide access to resources due to concerns of there not being enough resources to go around. Mm. I think those last two are pretty crucial. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I think those hit a, hit a soft spot Is as far as how I feel about us feeling about there's not enough to go around, you know, the, the not enough mentality. Mm-hmm. So I have to hoard everything I'm getting to myself and all the information and knowledge because if I give it to you, you might take my spot, you know? Right. And that idea of being like uh, a token, right? It's not too many people who identify or look like you that you have to be the the only one who has these resources and how isolating that can be, right? Especially for someone who is new coming into, you know, this, this uh, community. And, and we can even take a step past like work, but a living, you know, environment and community of being the maybe one other household or family. You know, I think a lot of people can identify with that being like the only family, uh, on a certain street or in a certain neighborhood and how some of these same exact uh, issues may still arise. Yep. And you try to fit in, you know, 
you're worried about trying to fit in more than standing for what you know to be right. You know, you may let certain things slide mm-hmm. that you may not normally let slide or get by because you want to seem like, you know, I belong here. Yeah. So any other particular behaviors that you may have experienced or know of that are like kind of like crab in the barrel-ish or kind of examples that you may have or like, um, like I said, anything you may have experienced personally? Well, I'm just listening to this list that you provided. I don't think I have any new ones, but a lot of the ones that you shared, def- I can definitely resonate with them. Mm-hmm. You know, like especially when we talk about the <clears throat> avoiding mentorship and having that close connection, right? Where if I'm coming in, learning a position, not having to feel that I have to be on guard, you know, or reserve parts of who I am and our authentic self to, to identify and fit in with this uh, workplace culture or environment. It's, how do you have that place to still be yourself and be professional, right? It's not like separating mm-hmm. who you are as a professional, but hey, we also don't have to talk about work every second, right? Especially if like it's the first time meeting you, right. getting to learn each other and like identify, okay, hey, this person like cares to know who I am and learn who I am as a person, right? Obviously, I'm in this role because qualifications. So being able to get like that authentic mentorship and not just like a level of uh, gatekeeping, so to say. Yeah, I I, I dig in a lot with the um, undermining of the coworkers. You know, it's like I see that not just in the fact of coworkers, but undermining other people that may be professionals within your industry mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah. especially if they do actually make a mistake or, or cause an error it's like sometimes i feel like people within our own community are the first and most aggressive at coming at the people who made the mistake in our community you know it's like it's like almost it's like why are we not being more conscious of you know sometimes even hearing all of the evidence before we kind of draw a conclusion or ask, like you said, asking a question or talking to someone before you draw your full conclusion. But sometimes you just hear the headline or hear the rumor and you're ready to just pounce on that person relentlessly, you know? Run with it. Yeah, non-forgiving. Like, you're non-forgiving with what you're going to be doing or saying, you know? And I think that that plays a lot into... um, That plays a lot into people that trust fact that we have with each other in our community is like, sometimes you may not even want to work with somebody because you feel like, damn, they're going to be going harder on me than, you know, some other people that would be more supportive in this position. So I might as well hire someone that looks like that instead, you know, (laughs) because I feel like they'll be more supportive or they're less threatening to my, to my position of power and what I'm trying to do. But listen, so, you know, because that goes into like this whole proximity principle right where the interpersonal relationships that we have are likely to be formed with people who are closest with us and to us right so if we learn this idea of my community right and we're talking about early on early development right if you have individuals who are diverse growing up with you or if you have one dominant group of people as far as ethnicity right you're more likely to form relationships with the with these people get into conflict with these people have kids with people in these groups right so Mm -hmm. when when we bring it back to this whole mentality of like crabs in a barrel, the term. And like I told you, I hate the term because of connotation that there is no way, there's no solution, there's no resolve to it. But we have to identify and understand like the whole proximity principle. Like we hurt the people who are closest to us oftentimes and the people who 
we can identify with in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny you saying that because I was t- reading a statistic. It was talking about the um, the amount of people that uh, would murder each other of the same race. Because that's the thing I hear about a lot. It's like, you know, yep. we got to stop black on black violence and all that yep. kind of stuff. And it's like, like you're saying, it's like most people are committing crimes against the person that they're in proximity to. So if there's a lot of crime in the black communities, a lot of the crime or violence is going to be committed from black persons onto another black person. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. It's not like people from the hoods are going to drive all the way out into the suburbs or on the mountains and commit crimes and then come back. They do everything within their immediate proximity. You understand? Exactly. And that's why those numbers kind of skew that way because I even looked at it for white perpetrators. Like, most white homicides are committed by other white people. Like, you know, it's the same thing. It's like yeah. killing who's around them, you know, who's in my neighborhood, you know? Doesn't not, matter. Exactly. Is it, yep. And I think the rate at which this happens is what we want to discuss versus more so how how much the disparity is. Like, oh, there's more blacks killing blacks than whites killing blacks. No, that's not. That's usually not the argument there. But like you said, we got to figure out more so it's not a crabs in the barrel. It's not a permanent state of mind or a permanent right. place to be. It definitely has a solution. And a solution-based uh, mindset is how we have to approach these these problems and say the crab in the barrel mindset in the first place, like you gotta look at the environments we put in. Like we talking about proximity principles and the yeah. environment matters. The the environment that you're in is the barrel. You know, what are crabs doing inside of a barrel? Crabs mm-hmm. don't belong inside of a barrel. Crabs belong in the ocean. So if you put <laughs> crabs in the ocean, then you could expect crabs to behave more how you expect them to behave. But you can't put crabs in the barrel and then say, oh, look how they're behaving inside the barrel, pulling each other and grabbing on each other. Like, you put them in a barrel, you know? <laughs> what do you expect to happen? What do you know? <laughs> you can't be shocked or be appalled and point and, and blame them for their behavior because of the environment they're in, you know? No, that's true. And, you know, that speaks to not only the confinement, but one of the the larger issues which is housing right and population in lower income communities right we have overcrowded or there's a lack of building structure and housing options so you know just looking at the image of this barrel there's going to be this scratching and clawing to get to a more desirable place, right? Which can come through a lot of different forms uh, of issues when we talk about humans. But if this bucket, barrel, you name it, is tipped over, right? And everyone can go out and navigate, move around in in a way that's more comfortable, there's not going to necessarily be that need to scratch because now it's going to be, hey, I can just move and come and go freely. Like the issue of having to get hit by somebody else or have like these external forces that are Mm -hmm. not allowing me to do the things that I would naturally do. Yep. Yep. And that's all caused by, like you said, the environment you're in. It's like this, uh, to put it into a real life situation. It's like I can go out and I'll be able to go to my car comfortably and not have to worry about anybody coming to rob me or do anything because I know everybody in my neighborhood is employed and everybody, like, there's not really any reason for anybody in my environment to even take an action like that towards me. But when you know you live in an environment where there's poverty, struggling, um, uh, violence or gang violence. You know, you don't. Your mindset is different now when you go into your car. It's like, okay, you don't know who's out here right now. Especially if you're in the middle of the night or three in the morning, you don't know who's out in the street right now. You don't know what their needs and wants are, and you got to be extra careful on your p's and q's. You know, versus being in a more comfortable environment where you're saying, oh, you know, I don't think anything like that's going to happen this area. You may still want to be slightly aware because anything can happen anytime, but you're not on edge, you know, you're not on, um, what was the term you gave me this last week? Hypervigilance. You yeah. Know? 
you're not you're not in that state of hyper vigilance all the time, and that's the, in itself has a mental a mental effect on how you're approaching everything else in your life. Well, let's let's take it a step further then. So we also have to look at our perception, right? Because there we know what propaganda is, right? There's this narrative that is being played. So there also can't be that fear of, hey, everyone looks like me, so I should be fearful, or mm-hmm. everyone doesn't look like me, right? Because like Let's go back to your point. If you're in a neighborhood where no one looks like you and it's a, you know, relatively, quote unquote, safe place, that doesn't mean that you also don't have danger or things that can come to harm you in in multiple ways. So so having having that, that propaganda and that narrative being that if you're here and majority of the people here look like this. Uh, are in this socioeconomic class mm-hmm. that you have to worry and you should be fearful and you should be in a stance of hypervigilance, right? Because that plays to the need for positive propaganda, right? Where like we're working together. We can understand that, hey, you look like me and you appreciate the things that I have or I don't have to be at odds or competition just because you are dressed a certain way right and you Mm -hmm. you are coming from a certain neighborhood or from a certain region right like all those things are are needed to create and shift this narrative and utilize positive propaganda as a catalyst to do so right and what what is helpful in doing that is the effect on the socioeconomic condition of people because I feel like irregardless of the race, if you put me in in any impoverished neighborhood around the world, whether it be the white demographic, Spanish, Russian, Chinese, whatever, I'm going to be hyper-vigilant because I know the people in this area that are underneath these conditions, I have a higher chance of having some situation. I feel like I have a higher chance of a of a violent situation happening to me versus being in a neighborhood that millionaires live in, you know? So that's how that. the mindset, that's how the mindset kind of comes into play. What are you going to say? No, I, I was saying, no, I, I agree. I, I can definitely understand and respect that. Like there is that notion of if, uh, if a lot of people don't have this or are looking for this, then, I have to be aware. And I'm out here with it on yep. me. Yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Exactly. I got to be aware. I got to be aware. Yep. <laughs> I can't be out here with certain things on me. You know? Yeah. I don't have this or, right. or looking for this because they don't take this from me because this will help get them something that will help provide for their family for a couple of days at least, you know? Yep. Meanwhile, to them, to me, it probably looks like just an accessory to me or something like that, you know? But um, I think it is important that we bring that balance of being able to go back into our neighborhoods and and bring things back to our communities of people that look like us. And once you're successful and be able to come back and bring that influence or bring your money and be able to build things to help build up those communities, I think that is massively important for us to do. And in doing that, I think, an example for me that comes to mind, honestly, is my guy Nipsey. Like yep. someone that's doing that and comes back to the neighborhood and then ends up getting killed by someone within their neighborhood, you know, as trying to while you're trying to be a positive impact and influence in that area that you were in. It's like it's almost like that's where that people be like, Oh, that's that crabs in the barrel mindset right there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, he's up. He's coming up. He's doing for me. Maybe he didn't acknowledge me the way I wanted or say something. So you know what? I'm hating now. Now he thinks yeah. he's better than me. Now I'm gonna pull him back. I'm gonna show him he's nowhere near better than me. I'm showing he's just like me, right? Yep. He's just yep. like me. So now I gotta show you, you know. <laughs> and that that is where it becomes. That's where it's poisonous, you know. It's like that makes people not want to come back. And, and bring back to the neighborhoods that they leave from. And it, it continues to perpetuate that cycle of once I make it, I'm never coming back. 
and I'm gonna stay with the people who are in my um in my 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 tax bracket. You know, that's the people I'm gonna hang out with. You know, if you're not in that tax bracket, I'm not with you. True. So, but um, let's talk about some uh, solutions. Like, let's let's. Get it. What are some solutions to? Uh, combating this mindset do you feel like you know we talked about um being able to reach back reaching back is definitely one of the solutions i feel like we got to keep doing is giving back and bringing back but what else so i'll say my list is quick straight to the point right so it's accountability extended support And uh, not having this one strike rule, right? So let me let me start with that one mm-hmm. strike. Rule. I, know I think <laughs> for me, I think that's that's the most uh, upsetting thing to witness, right? Where we have businesses, small business owners who are conducting business, right? Or maybe learning and growing, starting up a business, right? So they may not have the the infrastructure, customer service, like what have you, whatever it is. And I think it, it speaks to some of the other points that I'm making, but this whole one strike rule mentality of, you know, if customer service or if the product doesn't come on time or if it's not shipped on time, or if something goes wrong in this, this uh, transaction experience, I'm never shopping with you again, and I may be skeptical to support other businesses, right, that are like black owned or black ran. Uh, The issue with that is that uh, that I don't believe that one strike rule applies to other corporations who do have the infrastructure, right? If there's like a customer service issue or if you're talk to or harassed in certain ways, right? I remember, and, you know, this doesn't happen as much now, but being followed around stores, <laughs> yeah, right? And it's just like, <laughs> if, if, that, if that happens, that does so much to you because you're already going in there for a certain product or service. And so you don't necessarily want to leave without getting that product, but you feel super uncomfortable the whole time there. It's like, this person's following me, Um what should I do? Or if there's like an issue with customer service. And, you know, I think if we are saying this one strike rule applies to black businesses, why is that same one strike rule not being applied to other uh, businesses? Right. Yep. And that stops that cycle of, of uh, that financial cycle of us spending money in our communities, you know, bouncing monies within our communities more than zero or one time which is pretty much the cycle of how we spend within our communities. You know, mm-hmm. I saw a statistic as saying that African-Americans wealth-wise is the, we are the 16th wealthiest country in the world. Just our, just our net worth for how we much, how we spend. We're the 16th wealthiest country in the world with how much money we spend. So if you look at the list of all the countries that are behind us, past the number 16 and look at all the things they're able to accomplish as entire countries. They have entire functioning governments, countries, ecosystem. It's to say that we have enough funding and money within our communities and amongst people that look like us to drive in a, a place or a support center that looks like that. You know, we're able to support each other's businesses. We had the money to create that kind of infrastructure as long as we funnel and focus our money into each other's businesses and don't put each other on a one strike rule, <clears throat> you know, yeah. where it's like, Oh, your service was bad. One time I'm, I'm never coming back here again. Not that I'm a writer review complain and hope that you fix it and see that that problem gets addressed the next time I come around. No, I'm never coming back here again. Right. <laughs> I'm just not going to talk to you again. I'm just not going to talk to you ever again. Right. But yeah, that goes to the other point, though, that I was making, which is accountability, right? So, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, it is so important to leave reviews because that also changes the perception to others who may have one strike rule, another business, and was completely adamant about not supporting any other black businesses, right? So, now, if you leave a review, and especially if it's a positive review, they may feel more inclined to support this business because they see, yeah. hey, someone doing it but also in the same uh conversation it's giving honest feedback right hey yes 
if you messed up or hey customer service was was not good hey you didn't communicate that the order was going to be um a few days late like giving that feedback is super important so that we are holding each other accountable uh, so that the service and the customer service does continue to improve because that is ultimately what we're saying hey we want quality services and goods and we know that we can provide them but there has to also be the the chance given uh, and multiple chances for other businesses, even if your experience wasn't the best at at one place or with one. Right. Yep, I hundred percent agree with that. That one chance rule is a real thing, man. Mm-hmm. I've seen it in action. <laughs> yep. I've seen it in action. I'm, and I try to make someone aware of it. I'm like, you know what you're doing right now. I'm talking about you're never coming back here, right? Like, you're pretty much saying you'll never um, spend money in this business again. Which means if everybody that ever had any kind of issue did that. At every business they went to, you know how much money a company like this would lose, and they're a small business; they can't afford to take hits yeah. like that. You know, like every customer counts to small businesses. When you're talking about corporations, corporations have entire statistics based on that employee um customer loyalty. Like they're heavily focused on how often they keep the same customers coming back. You know, you sure. want to acquire new customers, but they know that it's more important to keep the same ones that they already acquired to keep them coming back and keep them happy. But that accountability is right because you don't want to be um, for, um, being a, a client or customer of a black-owned business, even though it's giving shitty service. Yeah. You know, so you want to hold them accountable to being competitive. That's all we're asking you to be is competitive. Yeah. You know, like, definitely, definitely. Have your service be on a competitive level with what else is out here. As long as it's on that level, we should go ahead and um, you know use those businesses and services and support. As a black community, you know, as long as it's a competitive business and it's not sub super subpar service to that point where it's like un <clears throat> unconsumable or they just you can't deal with that kind of service, then you know, like you said, you gotta give people a chance to grow their business because when people grow and they get more employees, they get more support, they have more resources, their services usually tend to increase um, with that with that availability of resources. So. And before I get to this last point, Mike, I want to ask you a question. Like, what can you can you share an experience or a time you can recall about a negative experience and how you handled that? Like a negative experience with the black owned business. All right. Well, let me see. <laughs> I have um, I've been coming more consumer conscious, so I'm trying to shop at more black owned businesses. So I have a, uh, a online online business, a black-owned business that I was shopping from, right? And <laughs> I had that I had that one-strike rule um, syndrome hit me for a second, and then I had to remind myself. See, really? that's why I know it's important to have the talks and be conscious about it because yes. it is almost yeah. instinctual for us to react and behave that way, and you won't even realize it. You just That's just how you know to react, you know? And <laughs> I caught myself, and I was like, okay. So pretty much the company, they do... Um, they do like jewelry. They were doing jewelry. So I bought jewelry for somebody from their site, right? Mm-hmm. And the site says, you know, 100% guarantee, no tarnish, no issues, no, you know, anything like that. Okay. And lifetime guarantee. So, oh, okay, lifetime guarantee. That's good. <laughs> so I go ahead, order it, get it. And after a few weeks, the person tells me, oh my God, the, um, the chain, the chain piece started to change colors. I'm like, okay, I don't do fake jewelry, <laughs> bad jewelry. Like, so one, that was embarrassing, and two, it was like, come on now. The first thing I ordered from y'all, this is what's like, already over. Yeah, like you know, it's like this is the very first thing I ordered. So now it's like, not yeah. only is it a bad experience and embarrassing, it was my first experience. So now they say there's no chance to make second chance to make a first impression, right? Mm-hmm. But because it was a black owned business and I what I did was I wrote them a review. I, I sent them an email review, kinda, you know, complaining customers. So I didn't blow them up on their website. I didn't send them pictures. I didn't try to embarrass them as a company. But what I did was I sent them an email, boom, letting them know what happened, showed them images, let them know what happened to chain, and let them know how unhappy I was and how they need to step up their service. So yeah. They email me back, you know, they apologize profusely, and they let me know that this will never happen again. They're going to send me replacements for free, and they'll give me coupons for future orders. So, so it was a good response, you know, something you expect for a company that messed up. You know, they're going to give me 
um, replacement, and they're going to offer me discount on future services. Great. So right. now the one strike rule is going to kick in and say, you know, I'm going to get my replacement and whatever. I'm never ordering from them again because I'm not trying to have stuff just changing colors on me. That's embarrassing. You can't have no jewelry on it. You know, so, but then I said, you know what? I'm going to give them a second chance. So I ordered another pendant from them. And I bought it for myself, and I bought one for someone else. And those pendants have been good ever since. It's been almost a year now since I had them. I shower with them on everything. Nothing, no issues, no issues. And now I'm like, okay, you see, now I want to order more. But now I'm inspired to want to order more. But had I not ever given them that second chance, I would have just went to another regular jewelry site that everybody else probably uses or something they marketed on Instagram and bought it from there, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that was my experience, man. It was, it was, it was crazy. But I stuck, I stayed strong. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing, though. You would have never knew how high quality it could have been if, yet, yeah, if you had not given the feedback and then also given them that second chance to right. to make it right. You know, um, I'll I'll share. So I have two, I have two stories. <clears throat> so one was a. Uh, restaurant okay mm-hmm. so it was it was a soul food restaurant and when i tell you the food was so bad <laughs> you know it didn't make sense like it was it was, it was like garbage like the, it was unseasoned oh man like, yo, how, not how, the soul how, food how, restaurant yeah how how how's barbecue chicken not taste good like <laughs> and right. so you know this was years back but like it was it was the plate the whole plate was nasty like nothing that i had on my plate was uh was was tasty mm-hmm. and and as well for my partner so it was like yo yeah. this this isn't it but but I kept, and it was like literally right around the corner from my house. And so I just kept telling myself, like, I'm not going to give up on them. Like, I'm going to try again. Yes, that first time was like, was scary. And scary, I, was, I, was, I just told myself, like, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, maybe there's other things on the menu. But also maybe in time they will get better. Right. So, you know, I took a couple months away from them. Uh, and this was like the summertime. So that fall. I went back, uh, got some stuff off the menu. And mind you, again, like over the course of those months, they ended up getting new management, right? So that infrastructure started to improve. They got new Ooh. management. Uh, and when I tell you I went back that second time, the dinner was so good. Like I got some stuff to go. Mm-hmm. Told a couple people about them. Like, Look um, at that. I continue. Like, and then it got to a point where I started like going like every two weeks just to get something. Or I would even go there to – conduct business like i would just bring my laptop and just like work uh work from there yep nice nice and i and i think that's a another piece of it where it's not only patronizing the business you know through their goods and services but also your presence there right so Mm -hmm. when when you are sitting in this window of this uh establishment other people are seeing you in there and again it it drives the idea right it drives the idea that hey this place is worth something it is good enough that people are in there and they're staying there after a meal or or they're going there without a meal right so starbucks effect when you're just hanging out in here you know yep and that that goes to to the third point though oh let me let me get a second story too so it was it was a business they have like educational services and games right Mm -hmm. uh I ordered the product. I didn't get anything. You know, the confirmation email said that I would be expecting it in, I want to say, a month, right? Mm-hmm. So I I wait for that. So I don't think I reached out until about, like, a month and a half, two months maybe. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I haven't gotten anything yet. What's going on? Right. I'm, like, following up with emails, not hearing nothing back. I'm just like, come on, man. But – I didn't like go off the 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 deep end and say, "Yo, I'm canceling this person. Or I'm gonna leave a terrible review." I said, "All right, I'm I'm gonna send one more email." So like uh, a couple of weeks later, I sent another email, and you know the brother actually ended up we changed from the email to a text message, and you know he told me he was dealing with like some mental health stuff and going through like some life transitions. And I was like, yo, that's real that you can just be transparent and share that with me. Uh, you know, at this time I, I would like 
a refund because I still haven't gotten the product and it's, you know, well over this time. And I think at that, the time that we were at, I would have been outside of like any type of like return or right. window to like get my, my money back if he couldn't, you know, compensate me with the, the product. Right. But, you know, what I did, I actually kept following him on social media. And then once he, you know, got into a, a better place and was more healthy, he ended up getting back to like promoting and love. And, and what I did was I, I purchased the product again and I got it and I loved it. Mm-hmm. See that persistence, you know, that persistence of not, of not giving up on that, on that first bad experience, you know, that's important because look at the, the experiences you had with the follow-up. Like now you got yep. a great soul food restaurant on your way. And now yep. you met another a great online vendor that provides a product for you that you're looking for, you know? Exactly. And exactly. it's all black owned, you know? And I think that's one of the things that um pushes back against or has shows resistance against us creating community with each other is that that lack of patience, you know, that lack of patience and lack of understanding about how we are and what stage we may be in our businesses and understanding that level of services may should be what we kind of expect or at least, you know, be uh, accepting of, you know, if they're a very small business, you can't expect them to have Walmart level or, or target level customer service. You know, they don't have call centers of people sitting around answering phones and emails for them. They may be the one answering all the emails, phone calls, doing the shipping, all that kind of stuff on their own, you know? So, Sometimes you got to give a little leeway with certain stuff like emails, stuff like that. But like you said, that brother got back to you and let you know what was going on in his life. And you, you didn't say, okay, now you keep my money. It's not, we're not asking you to be that way with any kind of right. like, oh, you could just do whatever you want. Keep my, no, give him my, okay. Yeah I'll, yeah. I'll take the refund. But you know, once I see he got his stuff together, I'm, I'm going to go back to his business. You yeah. know, that's the important part. Yes. You know? And that's why I think the people, I think that's people lack on that aspect of things the go back factor and it's because a lot of our purchasing has been automated to go to the same major retailers or stores to get certain things and we have to break that that programming in us and kind of travel outside the box like it's going to take an effort for you to find all the black owned businesses in your area actually i believe there's an app for that i gotta pull up the app yeah i gotta find the app Uh, it's a directory yeah. There's an app that's directly, but I believe there's an actual specific app on iPhone that helps you locate all the black businesses in your area. I can't remember the name of the app. Oh, I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can find that because that's important. I feel like I had it on my phone. And why you do that? Why you why you click the app? Let me let me jump into the uh the third point, right? Because I it's everything, right? Which is <clears throat> year around support. So we have traditionally supported uh black owned businesses, right? Like especially like harder and and more aggressively like during February and you know during like certain times or if there's like a certain event festival or something right but year-round support is the the crucial part to this this sustained change uh and if we just look at times of major spending which is from october to january right there Mm -hmm. is usually a a high rise in high tendency to shop at, like you said, it's like some of these larger um, mm-hmm. brands and retail stores. And if that year round support isn't happening and especially it's not happening during this major, this major time of spending, right? Like most households spending like $2,000 or more right during this time frame, And that money is not going to a lot of these, uh, black owned businesses uh but there's more concentrated effort and i and i think it's maybe even uh a celebratory or pat on the back right to celebrate another black business during february yeah but Mm -hmm. but there isn't like this not a genuine uh, yeah it's not not like genuine as much you know there's not like that badge of okay i'm gonna support each and every month or 
throughout the year on a consistent basis, uh, I don't think that's something that is celebrated as much or taken into consideration. It's not. It's not. And it's in, and I feel like on those those peak times and holidays and holiday seasons, just like big retailers depend on heavy traffic on those times, so do small black-owned businesses or large black-owned businesses. Right. They depend on high retail traffic at that time. And believe it or not, that's the time of year we probably spend the most of our money. So it should be more of a focus and a concentration to um, be consumers of these businesses that are Black-owned in these times of high consumption, not just during Black History Month. Because now, over the course of a year as a business, when you look at your calendar, you could kind of ping those hot times as, as times of increased revenue for, for your business that'll allow you to do certain things like expansions or hiring more and, 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 and making certain um, improvements to your customer service that allow you to keep growing as a business. But if we're not, um, you know, consuming at such a high level from those businesses because we're too busy going to catch the sale that, you know, Walmart may have or catch the sales at a Target or something like that, that we're not really paying attention to our small businesses anymore. That's where the issues come in, I feel like. You know, I feel like you should make it a concentrated effort to buy as much as you can from Black-owned businesses for the holidays and whatever you cannot find and get shipped to you, then that's when you go ahead and go ahead and go, you know, be a consumer for another company or corporation. Mm-hmm. But that takes a high level of consciousness, man, and it's not easy. <laughs> so I, I, I know it's, it's easier said than done because, one, um, you're not maybe you're not going to always find the Black-owned business around you that provides the service or product you're looking for. And, and two... Like you said, sometimes these are new companies and they don't have the same level of customer service, especially the level of patience people have around the holiday season is real low. So they want their stuff and they want it now and they got to make sure they get it right Man. when they said they're supposed to get it, you know? So That's patience true. is real low around the around Christmas time or holiday season for that kind of stuff. But... um. We could try, you know, we got But that's why it's so important, though. That's why it's so important to have this year-around focus. Like like you said, like, we have, there's apps, there's websites, there's word of mouth that you aren't waiting until this time of year mm-hmm. to purchase stuff. It's, hey, I'm buying stuff through the course of the year, and it's also part of my lifestyle, right? Yes. I, I wanted to ask you, like, how many uh, products, I guess I'll say, have you made the switch to uh, black owned? Yep, black owned. Let me see. I have. I've been doing like I try to do the stuff that you got to read up on, so like the soaps. Sure. Okay. A lot of companies that black owned that provides natural soaps and you know um, shampoos. Then um, I also have some clothing companies outside of my own merchandising company, Land of Culture. Mm. dot com i have That's mine cool. and i also have others um was the girl with the fro is a black owned business that's a merchandiser that i that i purchased some stuff from and then you have let me see is there anything oh there is a um holistic site that i use that provides like burnt oils and like i guess um like for healing and treatment certain like um mm. herbs and roots Right. To help you make teas with to provide certain nutrients to your body and stuff that you don't really find in the stores like that. And like, like that. Yeah, like the magnesium, the pure magnesium. They had like this um uh I didn't know if you knew you could, uh what was it called? Oscillated gold and silver, like because we all have pretty much all these minerals in our body to a certain yep. level. You know, you have Definitely. gold inside you, you have silver inside like to a certain <laughs> level. So people don't understand the importance of being able to keep a balance of all these minerals inside you and replenish them and help your body replenish them to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I've been getting into that more and I've been using some black owned businesses to help me explore that field. And then when it comes to my media, I switched to a lot of black media. So okay. I do a lot of um, YouTube channels that are black owned or black sponsored YouTube channels that talk about, you know, world news, finance, uh, really- Ships. Um, let me see. I have a channel that I follow that talks about Black history that goes back into 
like I said, all the way back into the beginning of our ancestry as far back as the Chemites. So he starts giving you the history from back then. He breaks it all down. So I follow that channel. It's uh, Home Tea History on YouTube if you want to check that out. Really good channel right there. And let's see. I think that's probably the most platforms that I use right now. I think I'm trying to focus more on trying to see if I could buy my food. I'm trying to see if I, that's the main thing. That's probably the hardest thing for me to find, like a black-owned grocery store around me. I live in Miami, so there's a lot of Spanish-owned grocery stores around me. Um, maybe to find like a a black-owned grocery store. It's usually like chains out here. I get a lot of Walmart, I get a lot of Aldi, I get a lot of Target, a lot of chain grocery stores, which I'm pretty sure everybody in their specific neighborhood has their chain grocery stores that they used to see, whether it's Pathmark, Primark, whatever yeah. your local grocery stores are. But it's hard finding some of those that are Black-owned, you know? Right. So how about you? Any kind of um, outside of the, you know, I know you said the soul food spot. And that's nothing. I don't have any real food spots down here. But actually, I have some Haitian food spots in Miami that I eat at. I know a couple of Haitian food spots that I like to eat at and a soul food spot up there. But, um, yeah. So, yeah, so for me, no. So, I actually moved. So, the the uh, soul food place that I was going to was was uh, back in Jersey. Okay, okay. So, right now, there I have a, a vegan restaurant. It's a black home, um that I go to. Uh... I've made this the change to all of my my boxers. So there's a black owned company. Um, okay. So all my boxers are are, are black owned from that company. Um, What's Champ. their name, man? Get a shout out. Champ. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Champs. Shout out to Champs Boxers. You know, they got a lot of other apparel too. But yeah, they okay. super comfortable. Um, What's their name again? Champs. Champs. Okay. Champs. Yeah. Okay. I'm look them up. Might have uh, to get on that wave with you, kid. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, get you a couple bundles. But some chips. I got uh, you know, all my beard care. Okay. Um, my sister put me on, uh, so all my beard care. And you know what? I I say, and I know to your point too, and I'm not saying it with with ease or anything, but it's just a conscious effort. So I have I made that switch to back in 2018. So, like, during each season, you know, we're talking about that that October to January season, I make the effort to spend because I'm, you know, spending hundreds of dollars. But everything that I'm buying, if it's like a, a gift or something for somebody, it's, uh, it's all black on. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, it's been yeah. a couple of years. So it, it definitely takes work and, and time, but it's. It's worth it, and it and it feels good too. It's it's reward, good. I was gonna say it's rewarding and shit, man. It, it, it feels, feels good. good. It's like, yeah, and now yeah. you learn about other, all these other places. It's like, all right, now I can get some stuff for me next time. Like you said, uh, I can go back and get something. And I think one last product are greeting cards. I can't remember the name, uh, but I was just looking at one of these greeting cards. So I'm actually about to put it in the mail uh, tomorrow. But okay. there's a greeting card company. Um, I can't recall the name right now. I believe it's uh, Miss Jane, I want to say. But got some dope greeting cards. You can get them for like. Okay. That's dope, the greeting cards. That's that's a dope concept right there. I like that. Yeah. I've seen, I seen that at, um, at a, um, a business convention out in Baltimore. I saw this lady. They had like a black-owned business convention out there. Uh, Baltimore, okay. believe it or not, is a really big hub for black-owned businesses. Baltimore is powerful. Yeah, Baltimore has a hub for a lot of. It's a strong hub for a lot of black-owned businesses. But um, pretty much we're talking about this, guys. This is this is this is all contributes to breaking that. This is how you break that crab in the barrel syndrome or um stigma that's been put on us is by doing stuff like this it's talking black businesses supporting them supporting each other not maybe not even just in each other's businesses just in each other's lives in general and wanting to see each other achieve whether it be someone that's in the in the same job as you that's getting a promotion you know be happy for that other person especially for the black person getting a promotion and getting accelerated through the ranks and if you're that person that's getting promoted 
and other black people are happy for you down underneath. You don't forget about them and help them if you can. It's bring them up and help them get up in, in their rankings and get promoted through the company. But um, those apps, I found these apps. So Black is an app that will show you black-owned businesses around you. B-L-A-P-P. One I came across. Um, let me see. You have we we have I am Black Business. The app on iOS and Android you could use. Uh, Official Black Wall Street is another one I found. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one you're talking about? Yep. Okay. So those are a few right there that you could use and start off with those. I'm going to put Official Black Wall Street on my phone right now because I didn't have that one when I had Black on my phone. So, and then one for restaurants. I'm going to let you know right now. That was, I just found, um, <clears throat> Eat Okra is for black restaurants around you. That's an important one because, you know, that's where the good food is at. So make sure you download that one if you don't got that installed. And uh, I think I wanted to make a shout out to my uh, my YouTube channel that I didn't get the shout out. Wall Street Trapper is one that I watch. Um, my guy, Dr. Boyce Watkins. He's yep, really good watch. He's informative. 19 Keys is another YouTube channel that I follow. And Earn Your Leisure is another YouTube channel that I follow. And these guys speak a lot about black business and finance and economics because that's my lane. So that's kind of what I search for is my media to find and look up on YouTube. But whatever your lane is, you can find whoever are the thought leaders in your industry and creatives and find their channels on YouTube and support and follow them and learn from them and don't be too scared to, you know, give them their recognition and props when you use things that you've learned from them. Cause that's another part of the crab in the barrel mindset is that sometimes we'll learn something or get something from another brother or sister and we'll try to take as credit as we came up with it on our own. And give so, people their flowers, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> give people their credit where credit is due and everybody eats and everybody can be happy. There's not enough to go around. You know, that's what I say. But um, I think Yo, I, that's it. That's what I got. What you got? Something else? For yeah, no, no. Real quick, I just wanted to go back. So yeah, it's Bob Miss James. Uh, dope greeting cards up there. Check check her shop out. Bob Miss James. Uh, M S J A M E S. Uh, now one point that I wanted to make since you you referenced it. It's and anybody who is familiar with Earn Your Leisure, right? They often talk about the story of how Troy became Rashad's client, right? And I think a lot of times we are apprehensive to use the resources and skills that our friends, right? The people we have their their personal phone numbers. We're mm-hmm. scared to use them as a resource and actually pay them for their services, become their client so that we can build. Like if somebody has the information and skills, right? Like yourself, you have these personal finance skills and gems to teach like why would i not tap in with you and get right right if we're already talking about things throughout the week throughout the day like just go ahead and become a client and learn from this person right because all conversation doesn't have to be business per se but if we're already talking about anything shooting the breeze like you should at least be willing to invest in yourself and also Mm -hmm. promote and support your friends' businesses as well. So I just want to make that point because they always talk about that story of how, you know, he was his first client. And when I hear that, I'm just like, how many other people do not launch because they don't want to use their friend or feel like a sense of pride of going to somebody as a mentor? But if this person already has the information in game, like you should should want to do that and and put that money back into their business. Yep. And that's how that that all correlates back to all what we're talking about is that you can't be in that mindset of worrying about too much pride and, oh, there's not enough to go around or, oh, oh that one day they're going to turn around and say they're the ones that put me on. Like, okay, and if that person is the one that put you on, there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to have someone that put you on or taught you something that is someone that you know that was a close friend or relative to you. And it's important to support those people around you that are professionals in those areas that you know do these things. Let them be your first resource when you're looking 
for help in that field, you know? Yeah. And if they don't have the service ability to help you, then you go on. But always make that person your first stop. Don't ever just jump out there. If you need financial consultation and you know me or you need financial coaching and you know me and I'm in front of yours, you should come directly to me first before and see if I'm able to help you. If I can't, then you go out. But you don't go out to uh, uh, a mutual or a bank and go to your banker and go set up your account through them because you already know what that service is going to provide and what that's going to do. But why not give your, your close friend or confidant that same opportunity to manage your account for you or help give you that guidance. So I completely agree, man. Yep. And like, if I need any kind of, um, any kind of, um, or kind of therapy or sessions or sit down and talk or counseling, you know, I'm calling you. So I'm going to humble monarch. I'm not going to go and look for any kind of counseling with someone else or talk to anyone else. And if you tell me, oh, yeah, I, you know, I do this, this, that, but I don't necessarily do that thing, bro. You know what? But I may have a reference for you yep. here. And, you know, exactly. I know someone else that does it. That may be also another black-owned business, you know, but this is what they specialize in. So go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that's how we keep this cycle going. But I'm hyped. I'm excited about it, man. I think mm-hmm. conversations this get me excited and it, and it keeps reminding me of the potential we have that we have not even tapped into yet as a community and I just look forward to what it's going to look like when um, when more and more of us start locking in with each other yeah yeah man and it's and it's funny and, I, and I'll kind of just close on this but literally before we before we sat down to start talking today it was just having someone that I know, right, tap in with me on my coaching services, right, and now promoting her business and the launch of her business. So it's when it all comes full circle, that's when you realize and appreciate, hey, it's important for you as an individual to start, right? Because if you don't start, you can't be that resource for somebody else. Right. But then it's also important that when they get on their path and they start working with you, that you actually give them that quality of service so that they can share, hey, this person was was helpful and pivotal for me to get launched in my business. Right. And then there's that whole synergy and chain reaction that happens where now everybody starts doing things and trusting each other and promoting each other. And it's like that is always uh, a beautiful thing, man. So, yeah, I'm ready for more conversations. That trust, that trust factor, man. That's yeah. for sure what it is, trust. But, um, yeah, bro. Appreciate everybody for tapping with us on this Mindful Monday. This is the second week. Crabs in the Barrel has been destroyed. So now we know how to approach this issue and get rid of it and eradicate it from our worries and move on from there. All right. Appreciate everybody for joining us. This is Coach Michael with Culture Shock Investments, and that's Derek Howe, Monarch. And we're going to catch y'all next Monday. Peace. Peace. Hi, thank you again for joining us this Mindful Monday. I'm Michael Clark with Culture Shock Investments. You can visit us at cultureshockinvestments.com. He's Derek Howell with Humble Monarch Life. You can visit them at humblemonarchlife.com. All right, see you guys next week.